Welcome to the Coworkers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney, where every believer is a coworker in God's mission. Welcome back, friends. We are excited to continue our conversation about the CMT, the core missionary task. And to do that, we have a very special longtime friend with us, Nathan Shank. Let's talk a little bit about, again, things we've, we've talked about many, many times, heard from you, and I've, I really appreciate how you've led out in this voice as well. What is the importance of church, church identity, church well-being mm-hmm. to the ongoing mission, mm-hmm. to the core missionary task uh-huh. being carried out? This then leads us to the, in the church planting task, the need also, uh, what we campaign as local ownership, it does ultimately also require release. It requires, uh, what would our metaphor be? The passing of the baton, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Steffen metaphor, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, the reality that all there is no exit without local ownership. There is no opportunity to stand even where dependence on the church planner is an alternative. Mm. Now, that doesn't that do, that has nothing to do with a timeline. I didn't offer you this this recipe for getting on an airplane. Meanwhile, uh, seeing them stand over time, and I might even need you to re-ask the question a little bit. But because uh, it slipped my mind, <laughs> connection between church identity, mm-hmm. pursuing church well-being, and the ongoing mission multiplication of the yeah. kingdom. Okay, the missionary task. Do you, you realize, like a family, right? Mm-hmm. That anything that I would want to see in my grandkids, my grandchildren, mm-hmm. is going to need to pass through my own children, right? Uh, as surely as uh, the idea that a church planner could hold or could be authorized. Christ is the head, but all authority is here in my hand. Mm. Then the, it, it's actually responsibility and authority that grow people, that grow our, in our family, our children, toward the, uh, I'm certainly not just tossing the keys around. No, my kids are going to, to demonstrate responsibility a step at a time before, before they're given the, the keys to the family vehicle. Mm. Uh, the same even from the time of walking, the same with learning to feed themselves, the, the same with eventually, by God's grace, moving to university, going off to college somewhere. There's a, there's a whole list of things I want to model and demonstrate, and as they've seen in me, I want to begin to re- give responsibility and pass those things on. There, there is no independence without that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so says parenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, the same in disciple-making, the same in church formation. If I'm unwilling, if uh, a lingering dependence on the, in my case, cross-cultural church planner is acceptable, uh, eventually I'm going to have to acknowledge if it's not passed to my spiritual children, my spiritual grandchildren will be anemic. There'll be some weakness that's impossible for my children to fix. If they've never been empowered, how will they go on and pass on a DNA of responsibility, of Christ's expectation? So that every aspect, again, the Acts 2 menu, the first Corinthian diagnostics there where Paul's looking at the Corinthians and calling them to account, calling them to Christ's expectation. If we're not willing to release, then generationally we'll have anemia. In that case, it it's absolutely affects the mission. Uh, church formation, there in your missionary task, entry, gospel, discipleship, church formation, uh, for lack of a better metaphor, is a bit of a reset. When everything needed for body life, 
is invested there locally, when everything needed for accountability, when leadership is in place, when, when it's not dependent or outsourcing for body life, so any of those church functions, but rather even resourcing, mm. where everything is invested there that Christ expects, generationally, as they go and engage the next empty field and go about seed sowing and planting the next generation of churches, all those things are free to flow. Yeah. If whatever's been restricted is not necessarily, not spontaneously going to appear mm. downstream, second and third and fourth generation. In that case, getting church rights, like a reset mm -hmm. in the kingdom, in the CMT process, core missionary task, all that Christ expects invested locally mm -hmm. means that the next generation of churches, they might gather and join the mission itself yeah. and reproduce freely all that Christ expects. When we arrived on the field in our first term, I did not understand the biblical pattern that we now know so well from the book of Acts about how to do mission work. I think for many Westerners and local believers in South Asia, the thought of church planting is overwhelming yeah. to think that I could plant a church. For Westerners, we have all these ideas Right. that are very complicated and require sure. a lot of money and staff. And and even for local believers, it feels like a, a big task to undertake. The importance of the priesthood of the believer, and I think that Luke put Acts 2, 42 through 47, so clearly, that mm. beautiful summary, so that we would know what to do. Yeah. so that we would know how to go about this. Mm -hmm. right I think I just want to encourage our listeners that the best thing we can do for a group of new believers, even if we're not sure how it's going to turn out, right. not every group becomes a church, and sometimes we can get fear. I don't want to call this a church, or I don't know what's going to happen. No matter what, the best thing we can do is help them see this is what a church is, right? Yeah, to help yeah. them get into Acts 2, to see those verses. This is our goal. This is where we're going. Elders is also where we're going, including those things, getting that before them mm -hmm. and helping them understand that's the goal early on, I think is really helpful. Even if it's all women. Many times, even in my past, a lot of my work has been in more in like evangelism and discipleship. And so there could be a tendency for women to think, I don't have to really think about church formation that much. Right. That's the men's job. But to see the importance of every believer understanding the goal of healthy church yeah. from the scriptures mm -hmm. and knowing every believer's part and that is super important. Yeah. Everyone has a part. They need to know their part. Our goal is not for a sermon and everybody shows up and does nothing and goes home. Sure. <laughs> that sounds Captain Obvious, I know. But something I've learned on the mission field that I did not know beforehand was what we call every member ministry. And I, I believe in it with all my heart that it's so helpful for our growth when every member is involved and knows how they can serve. Yeah. I think uh, you're making a good point. This is where, again, we are privileged. We are served by the pioneer context, mm. uh, where there is no other option. The default for Cornelius and his household, for Lydia and her household, they're going to be church because no other option exists. 
Well, then we have this little catch-22 that we always play with. As we come and go into the West, churches where we grew up and were cast in vision for, let's be church. Why not church planting? Uh, in the, what is harder might not be as obviously a pioneer context where the church has been long established. And so that there's preferences or even assumptions both in the mind of the would-be church planter or, for that matter, the church members of what church looks like, how, what's the orientation and the posture of the leadership versus the lay people, and, and all that we might bemoan at times related to a bit of a consumer context and being introduced and affecting the expectations and assumptions of church members and church leaders even in the West. So... I say that as a, a bit of an apology. There's times when we come from a pioneer context and, and miss or don't, don't allow for the realities and gravity of some of those preferences. And yet, uh, we're, we're never going to pass, we're never going to refuse or try to dodge the, the need to love God with our mind, to take thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. We, I don't know if it helped us or, or not. If it, if in some ways we just excused ourselves from the conversation. But some years ago, we began to ask, is it, is it possible to start new churches with new believers? In the West, where there's a church on most, in most county squares, most town squares where you and I may have grown up, is it possible to start new churches with zero budget that we would actually see an Acts 2.10 scenario play out for the Caesarean church to form around Cornelius and his household? Mm. And what a, what a novel idea that we could take the pioneer context and introduce that in the West, and yet, well, that's... That's, that's first century, or, well, that's purely pioneer. Well, that's actually the only example we have in the New Testament. Mm. So where else and why else would we begin anywhere else? Well, then we're, and we're into the examination of our preferences, examination of assumptions and traditions. So what's that look like practically? If you have a group of eight new believers, yeah. how do they become a church? You know that uh, I'm not going to answer your question. We'll go a totally different direction. <laughs> in the West, uh, every 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 one of those county seat, small town, local square churches, every one of them has seen over time as they've grown the need to organize a small group ministry. Small group ministries, man, that's that's Christian development in the West. How and where are you going to organize? We've got a whole a whole library of vocabulary, whether it's missional community all the way through to life group to Sunday school. Uh, the small group is, ne is needed. And it's a fascinating truth that several of the aspects of Acts chapter 2, we introduce, we expect, we, we assume would be part of that life group, a part of that Sunday school class, that small group ministry. And it's fascinating that almost always there's the same two or three out of that Acts 2 menu that we hold back, specifically because they're matters of, of church identity. If you're not being church, you wouldn't, you wouldn't baptize or practice the Lord's Supper. And yet both of those, uh, 1 Corinthians 11 or for that matter Romans 6, baptism and Lord's Supper both clearly have to do with identity, identifying with Christ, identifying with his body with his death, burial, resurrection, with his gospel, his body broken for us, his blood spilt. All those that are actually designed to revisit and catalyze identity. But if they're not identifying as church, we wouldn't release those. Actually releasing might catalyze the identity we're looking for. 
so it is with small group ministries. The why not release question might be the most significant church planning question in the West. Where all of our small groups are doing and not doing, if we were to release identity, release those two or three Acts 2 functions that actually catalyze identity, uh, we would we might see some of the most significant church multiplication in our lifetime in the West. And yet we have our preference. We have our assumption. We, we may, uh, not to be critical, we may actually have a banknote that needs to be paid off. It's not going to allow us to do some of that release. Mm. Well, then our priorities are on the table. Surely they need to be examined. I was thinking about how our goal is church planting, right. not just making disciples, but okay. we want new churches. Yeah. And again, how that can be very overwhelming to people to say, I'm going to come in and do a church planting training. Right. We don't really word it that way anymore. Mm. We would rather teach someone to share the gospel and mm. then teach them how to make disciples and break it into bite-sized chunks. So, for instance, the a church network that we're very involved with here, it's kind of our main investment. We have a goal of 100 new churches in 10 years. Okay. okay? So we have realized to help every believer in that network know their part to reach that goal. Amen. It's a big goal. How do we get there, Right every believer knowing how to share the gospel and mm-hmm. sharing. Right. Then that leads to every believer becoming a disciple maker, knowing how to make disciples. That leads to knowing how to lead a group of believers. Right. How do you do it? Life. Yeah, that's the call to body life. The call to body life. Okay, now I can lead a group for our church, this network. We have a lot, a lot, a lot of house groups meeting. Okay. okay? Yeah. And we don't really feel like all those would or even should become churches. Some of them aren't quite there. Maybe they Mm -hmm. aren't going to last. That's okay. But we have a vision for some of those becoming new churches. And so with the leadership helping shepherd that, where you do see a leader rising up with a desire and you are casting vision, some of these will become churches that then can reach their own neighborhood. That's right. That's the, the, what you're describing already. The path for, for 100 churches in a decade. Uh, let's take our assumptions, our thoughts about that for a second. Uh, if that means Jesse and Shaney working harder, uh, you've set yourself up for failure, right? If what you're talking about is generational church planting, where out of the many, the dozens of small groups now functioning, that there, are, there is a percentage who will become second-generation churches that will absolutely identify and be fully, if, if you will, authorized that recognition of the head that is over the body. They're among them. If Christ is the head, who am I to, to hold authority there? It's to be released. The body and the head function clearly and, and connectively. Well, then that gen, a percentage of those existing groups that will, having become church, having identified now, not just from well-being to being church, there you, you're down the road toward their reproduction. That's your family metaphor again. Mm-hmm. The same as your kids. Your goal and your attention is that they would be released in order that they might start their own families and have their own generations. Mm-hmm. Well, God's ordered it like this. And that is the pathway. Do we see in the foundation-laying task of church planting the need for others to build upon it, 1 Corinthians 3, mm-hmm. the, the a chance to call Corinthian believers, even in the, from their mess, even in the midst of their washing, to own the responsibilities that the groom has 
established for the bride. Yeah. If that's the case, the spiritual family, not just release, but begins to multiply. Mm. That's your path. That's it. We've kind of dipped our toe in the water, and I want to go ahead and try to jump into the deep end here a little bit on this topic, because we've introduced 100 churches in 10 years. Right. Okay, there's a lot of people to whom that would just sound like this is... Ridiculous. This is nuts. Yeah, yeah. This is ridiculous. Hmm. And so it's bringing us into the, the conversation of movements. Okay. Now, your name's been associated with movements for a long time. Hmm. You and Carrie, your name is on the Four Fields Manual. Sure. That has spread out all over the world, and by God's grace, we've seen it bear a lot of fruit. Yeah. It's also stirred up a bit of controversy yeah, along sure. the way, right? I understand. Things that we have been walking through together, conversations even that you and I have been a part of together over the years. Hmm. And what I've appreciated so much, and anybody who knows you would say the same, is that in the midst of those conversations, you've always, just like you have now, pointed us back to the Word. Good. And really asked us to consider, do we see this in the Word? Mm. And I think, and we've agreed over the years that you do, right? We see these movement dynamics. And so I think it's hopefully an encouragement to our friends Mm. and a challenge maybe to those who would have questions to hear you lift up the church so highly oh, yeah. even in this conversation. Good. And again, people who know you Good. would know that about you. But I do want I want our people to, to get a chance to benefit a little bit from your maybe more concentrated study, particularly over the last year or two, <laughs> about yeah. some of that movement, the movement dynamics, yeah. and how that connects to what we have seen in our legacy wow. of church history, Baptist churches specifically, okay. and how we see Baptist ecclesiology reflected in movements that we have been a part of seeing, a part of okay. coaching, okay. even a part of participating in. Okay. What are those elements that we see overlap? Well, I do. Th- I think that comes back, Shaney, to me not being great at real-time examples or stories. A part of that is just I think that's off the table for me. In some ways, mm. uh, the reputation partly earned of associated with reproduction and multiplication, maybe movements, and some of the things we inherited in vocab and assumptions. Necessarily, to run to the Word and to have the Word of God in my lap, ready to to open, uh, as opposed to putting forward some contemporary example. Um, That's part of hearing some of those concerns, right? Mm, Yeah. And all the more that it's catalyzed, it's pushed us into the Word of God, right? Mm -hmm. To actually look and say. Well, I'll tell you that I'm a Baptist. You guys know that. By conviction. Uh, I believe that uh, because of the headship of Christ, the authority of the Word of God, the, the need, there's a need for uh, regenerate church, and for that matter, um, a priesthood that's practiced and expected, where the, the authorities, the head and the Word, are living and active in our midst, uh, that priesthood can be mobilized. And, uh, but you better know if you're, if you're thinking through the implications of those foundational doctrines, if, if you're going to practice <clears throat> autonomy, if you're going to practice congregational decision-making, if you're going to practice local leadership and the release of those leaders as opposed to options of hierarchy mm-hmm. across denominations or churches, uh, the church better be regenerate. Yeah. You better make sure that the, the Holy Spirit is there using the sword, having the sword, the word of the Lord in its hand, mm-hmm. doing its work in the people. We've committed and, and really dug into those four doctrines and four practices. The same, uh, the same again. I won't okay. hear, to yeah. hear this clearly. Uh, foundational in my conviction on church, the headship of Christ. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, when you consider the alternatives, 
whether it's the state or a, an ecclesial hierarchy, the, the head is... Or even the pastor, even a local even pastor. Even a local pastor yeah. who assumes that they are the authority there. The headship of Christ, the authority of the Word of God. So the Scripture, it's got to be present and active among the people. Mm. For that matter, the priesthood then of the of the believer is can be actualized, can be trusted, can be empowered. Mm. Doesn't need to be held and, and dominated. No, it's it's a matter of mobilizing and expectation. And then uh, that fourth one, uh, the church needs to be regenerate. You you need to have regenerate church. I, I would say regenerate membership, a mark of Baptist distinctive. You realize, again, what we mean by that in some of our cultural forms, a role, uh, well, regenerate church. Well, that's where I'm going to land. Mm-hmm. Those four doctrines almost seem to me to, to correspond with four distinctive and by conviction practices in church planning. We are planting autonomous and intending that churches would be autonomous. We're going to intend that and believe that some of the responsibility for decision-making, choosing leaders, church discipline, guarding the gospel, uh, designation of offering, th- those are those are going to be congregational decisions. The decisions actually grow the congregation to wrestle with motive. Every, Even the proverbial color of the carpet, right? Yeah. All the way right. to our childhood. That That is a sanctifying process when we wrestle with each other. Locally. I'm not sure that one's a sanctifying process, the color <laughs> of the carpet. But, well, but you've in general. seen the motives break out. They're always in there. It needed to be addressed, yeah, right? In decision-making. And for that matter... Uh, the local leaders to be entrusted and not not to exist in a hierarchy outside the local congregation but to be fully there not just uh authorized but vetted mm. there by the by the expectations of transformed character and, mm-hmm. and the ability to teach and handle the word properly and finally uh ordinances that are practiced in order to ensure or to pursue uh, that confirmation that the the body that's committed is regenerate. Yep. Both baptism Believers and Lord's baptism. Supper. Yep. That's right. As windows to entry into the church, just like Acts two forty one, but mm-hmm. also the ongoing purity and examination in the Lord's Supper. Uh, those four practices. It happens that we're part of a of a missions organization that, not just Baptist, but as a core of its uh, missiology, considers the indigeneity, the principles we often call the three or four selves, that churches ought to be self-governing and self-propagating, mm-hmm. self-supporting, and even self-theologizing or correcting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't, as a Baptist, I love that kind of missiological speak, the, yep. the, those terms in missiology and missions uh, process, because self-governing, self-supporting, where those break down, all those dominoes begin to fall down when any one of those is usurped. Yeah. If the church is not self-governing, if it's dominated by an outside denomination or even cross-cultural worker, uh, then there's no chance for it to be autonomous. Mm-hmm. Priesthood uh, in the practice or the expectation of the Word of God as their authority or even the head itself might will be usurped mm-hmm. uh, by that missions practice. Yep. On down the road, then, we're going to default to release. We're going to default to local responsibility. We're going to actually intend not just to plant churches, but churches that are autonomous. That's right. With a mobilized priesthood, because Christ is the head. But they need to be regenerate if you're cutting them loose. How could you possibly have a mixed visible and invisible scenario Mm -hmm. in your midst, uh, in which case your ordinances need to be about believer's baptism, not... It's so good. I just, uh, man, I feel like that foundation and hearing you articulate that over the past couple of years has just been so valuable. 
And I really wanted our people to hear it as well, because that's the heartbeat. As we say, underlying this whole conversation, there's been the thread of local ownership. Amen. What you just laid out, that is the foundation. That's the heart of it. If you wanted to, you know, articulate a little, these are our, this is our ecclesiological foundation for local ownership. You know, as we think about a missionary ecclesiology, that's right at the heart of it. And to see all of these lines intersect, right? Yeah. Movement, I think that we would say this is what church planting looked like in the New Testament. It looked like movement. Wow. To see that intersect with our biblical convictions as... This is, according to the Bible, what the church is yeah. and what the church should be, built on these ecclesiological foundations. So what you're actually saying is that <laughs> everybody out there who's pursuing <laughs> missions is really a Baptist, right? That's right. That's, That's what you're it. saying. Pursuing movement, and then you're a Baptist. Pursuing you, you said oh, not me. Not me. <laughs> you know... Uh, that's it. The fact that we, there's the big spoiler in the whole conversation. We actually think that Baptist ecclesiology is conducive to multiplication. Mm. Yeah. The release that empowers, the yep. release that calls for expectation. Yeah, the, yeah. the truths doctrinally and the practices mm. that, that missions, mm. the, the running joke would be those, uh, how, how would Roland Allen or for that matter John Nevius, mm-hmm. uh, Rufus Anderson, how do those guys, as Anglicans, yep. in the midst of a hierarchy, get away with introducing Baptist ecclesiology? Well, they, <laughs> they're doing missions. they call it the three or four selves. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, called yep. for release. And I would say even, as you and I have discussed in the midst of this conversation, I don't know that we could as explicitly make the historical case hmm. that it's been as pronounced or as you know, confessionally a part of who we are historically as Baptists. Right. Wow. But that fifth element okay. of spirit-empowered mission you as know, a fifth kind of pillar that then then the, the practical side, just like all the others had a counterpart, ours it. then would be church planting and missions because That's modern it. missions movement was started by Baptists. Well, you know, uh, certainly we celebrate folks like the Moravians and mm-hmm. others for a hundred-year prayer meeting mm-hmm. uh, in missions history. Uh, our organization itself, even Southern Baptist, with all of our other trappings and challenges culturally and, and blind spots historically, yep. 100 now, we're coming up on 180 years of, of unbroken sending mm. to the nations. That's right. So spirit-empowered mission might be one of those. It's a little left out of our confessional statements, but it's absolutely real in our practice. That's right. In which case, what's the corresponding practice of spirit-empowered mission? Church planning. That's right. Church planning. Laying foundations where the enemy's ground has been taken. So That's what we're up to. That's right. Praise God. Man, good stuff. Many of our listeners don't get to know you as well as we do. I think that impacts how you hear someone. And sure. so I just love that, Nathan, you and Carrie, even in 20 years on the field, you still seize every opportunity you can to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Last night at, in our home for our house church, you found that non-believer in the room and you shared with him for half an hour after church with your Bible open. So I just want our listeners to know that, that you're yeah. not just a leader. You're not in your house doing email all day. You are out loving South Asians. Mm-hmm. And that just, that means a lot for what you're Thank teaching. You. Yeah. Thank you for that. No doubt. And leading out, <clears throat> excuse me, in y'all's own house church in Kathmandu as well. That's right. Walking through these very questions in a very practical way, That's it. and even <laughs> facing some of the 
potentially First Corinthians 5 issues along the way as well. Church yeah, discipline sure. and how to deal with stuff. Real time. Real time. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, don't be surprised. We're trying to examine, man. We've got, I've got a list in my mind of, of believers in our church that are right there running through a First Timothy 3 and a Titus 1 menu of character. Yeah. Trying to, to poke at and, and, and bring to the surface some of the same motives we stopped, started with, Shaney, mm-hmm. that the heart would be transformed, whether it's hospitality yep. or love of money. Because we know and believe that the Lord's gifted them. Mm-hmm. He's intending that their worldview be washed. He's intending that their motives be transformed. Mm. He's intending that they would be that shepherd for the flock yeah. at the right time. That's right. So trying to bring those things to bear in the real life, that also keeps us fresh. Everything from the seed sowing. Mm. And I want to encourage you guys, your listeners for that matter, as you think about this series, engaging lostness, sowing the seed, making disciples, there are personal disciplines and there are motives and a wrestling match of taking thoughts captive, put, getting tools into your hand mm. specifically to address church formation that's just as dynamic as apologetics concerning the gospel yeah apologetics concerning body life and who can be empowered it'll keep you fresh if you lean in yeah if you practice and expect that's right well as you have throughout the years um you have provided i think for the broader body uh co-workers people who are doing this work resources to be able to dig in more for themselves we mentioned the four fields manual earlier Mm. But all along the way, and one of the most recent is a series of videos that have been put out that are addressing, and they're just kind of guided Bible studies, inductive Bible studies that walk through different aspects of the CMT that we're going to put links on our show notes to so that listeners can follow up with that. But again, another chance to dig into, I think, just to be redirected to the Word and for us to see these truths over and over again. So if you can't get enough of these episodes and this series we're going through, then please go check out those videos. Yeah, we'll put that help. in the show notes. Yeah. Right Nathan, thanks so much. Just always a, always a blessing to hear from you. I've gotten to, even over this past week, hear you invest and have these conversations with so many South Asians and others of our co-workers. Just appreciate you, bro, what you and Carrie are doing. Well, happy birthday to Jesse, and we're looking for the next decade, right? There you go.